You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is On Principle, Challenges in Jewish Education. I have the schools to be with Rav Yitzchok Adlerstein, who is the um, Director of Interfaith Affairs for the Wiesenthal Center, uh, located in Yerushalayim, Yerakadosh. Uh, he's also um, the editor of the very important uh, journal, Cross Currents, which I think is mostly online. I don't know if it has a print outlet anymore, if it ever did. The brouhaha that arose after a, I guess it was an October article in Mishpacha magazine, written by the Montreal writer uh, Yisrael Besser, who um, I think he calls his uh, column uh, a voice in the crowd. And, and, you know, it's interesting, you know, when Besser writes these articles, again, as a role, he's not, spy, he's not, he's not trying to speak like Gorelick or Jonathan Rosenblum or my good friend Eitan Kobri. Uh, he's, he's like the voice in the crowd, and he's just giving like a, a daher, a ha'ara. Obviously, it has now, to I'm be. trying to figure out whether you're a progressive Democrat and accusing him of being a populist. <laughs> Look, all I know is I'm into branding. And I know what that brand is. And I know what Mishpacha's brand is. I've, I've been reading it along with you and other people. And I think this is, I think that, that, our, that column that he has is meant to sort of, don't, there's no birchas ha-toyre here, right? It isn't meant to be das It's meant to be, hey, I'm one of you guys. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm young and I'm sort of with you. And, I, and therefore I want to sort of schmooze with you. That's really the sense. And in this little schmoozerai, the article, which I happened to, because you told me about, it, I read it this morning. I saw that he was based, he was sort of defending, in a way, uh, the criticism, defending f- from the criticism that has been la- launched on American and I guess Canadian uh, yeshiva boys who use Ben Azmanim uh, to take off to to points all over uh, North America in ways where um, they are showing up in Vail, they're showing up in Vegas, they're showing up in places throughout uh, this gr- this great country that, that I live in, and not necessarily doing it, uh, you know, what we would call like the, the, the shluchim of Navardic. you know, <laughs> these guys are, these guys are having a good time, and the Ben Azmanim, it seems to be an uvda, and many of them are able to use points uh, to, to, to get uh, into first class seats, and flying uh, in places where Yitzchak, you and I would never have dreamed of when we were kids. They were able to, to, to glory in such a sort of a luxurious way, but also to sort of like almost be like Jack Kerouac, like, like bumming around on the road and finding themselves all over the place. And somehow this Uvda uh, has came to the attention of parents and, and educators and Besser wanted to say, no, no, don't, don't get it. So don't, don't become so upset about it. Um, the guys sort of need a little bit of a, uh, of, of a outlet. Uh, you know, it, 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 even though Ben Azmanim, don't judge them with this Ben Azmanim. And I like Besser's little anecdote uh, that he gave from Nebuch the Kodesh who died in Maron. I think he, he mentioned a, a story, which I thought was really beautiful, where, where this boy who died, I forgot his name, from, from Tinek, who, who died who was influencing one of his friends to daven for the Omid finally. 
And um, in order to get him to do that, he invited him to come to Shul a little bit early and to crack open, I guess, a real Geshmaka scotch or something like that, uh, and to make a Lachayim and to somehow give the person his chizuk. And Besser was saying that when you, if somebody just sees these two guys coming to Shul, before Kabbalah Shabbos and boozing it up, you would say, is that a yeshiva guy? And they don't realize what this really is, that it might be something holy. And again, it's almost like, look, Besser is a very smart guy. Using a Kaddish from Maron in his story, there's no way you're going to be able to criticize that. It's almost like like we put the Chavetz Chaim there. Like, this Dovi with his Shmeichel that the whole America saw after Maron, that this is what this boy did. How dare you even sense that this is something? And somehow he used that to sort of be a fig leaf or more for what the excesses of the, the Bokram the yeshiva. And that, I think we call it innocence by association. Right. And, and again, this is what good writers and, and journalists always do. And Besser is just doing it along with them. Now, what happens is that the letters column, and some of it is available online, Parenthetically, by the way, Mishpacha is becoming much, much more available online than it used to be. All the big voices against the ugly, terrible internet, I don't know what, you know, those are just echoes from the past, but it seems like Mishpacha with its, it also has videos and other stuff. It's, it's really become an online, it's becoming more of an online journal, I think, every, every moment that we speak. But anyway, on, in their online, uh, areas, I saw that there was a lot of letter writing back and forth, and there was a, it seems, Besser didn't know that he was unleashing this tempest, and there was uh, people who were writing, and and, and some of them very, uh, in a very passionate way, that this is this is wrong, that when you have a bocher who takes his bein azmanim as a time off, and just uses it to just fly all over the place, Clearly, it's not the Ben Azmanim that's the problem, it's the Zman. And that a Bukhar who really loves learning, you're going to find him up at 6.30 or 7 and Ben Azmanim, maybe a little bit later, but hitting the books, loving the yeshiva, being in the base medrash. It's the guys that, that, that are making this Kilo Hashem, so to speak, are the guys who weren't really learning anyway. And those were the guys that were, uh, and what he was trying to say, this letter writer, was that it's not the Ben Azmanim, but really there's a, there's a cancer really within the yeshiva world itself. And these guys are populating it, and it's only Ben Azmanim that you're seeing it. But really, it's, it's happening during Seder, and it's happening consistently. Based on this salvo from this unknown yeshiva book, Rav Yitzhak, you sent me to uh, a recording uh, that's on Y.U. Torah from their mashkiach. I think that's his official title, the mashkiach ruchni in uh, yeshiva university now. Uh, the very celebrated, and I, I would guess rightly so, the Piasetzner Rebbe's uh, sort of spiritual descendant, uh, Rav Moshe Weinberger, who um, really has, uh, again, a meteoric rise in America as a Deyazogar and someone who speaks with passion and Avas Yisrael. And, but a lot of times he speaks with very blunt statements about the reality. He's constantly, I think, this is not the first time, that he has done an emperor has no clothes type of thing. And he, on the heels of this letter, let loose a fuselage of of really um, contempt for what's going on in the yeshiva world today. That that this is a a problem that he believes is endemic. Um, He's seeing it in the Balabatim that he knows from the five towns 
uh, and, and other places who are engaged in, in the most unsavory type of activities, all with the Levush of being a Bentaira. And he talks about the emptiness. Now, what, I, I know why you were interested in it, Rav Yitzchak, because then he's saying, Midas it isn't so much a person who can't control his lusts and shmiras Sainayim to looking in places and doing things he shouldn't do, but it's people who don't have true Avas They don't really feel that good about themselves, and they don't have a Seder because of that. And they don't really feel connected to any sort of program, and whether it's uh, whatever it would be. And because of that, they're not learning during the Zman, they're taking sick days, they're leaving the Zman early, um, and, and, and he lists a whole litany of things, which he happens, to, I guess he sees in YU, and he knows from other yeshivas, where guys don't care about learning anymore, uh, they, they leave Seder early, etc., and as I said, and therefore it's because they don't really have the Rabbani Shalom in their lives, and this is something which he believes needs to be spoken about. He believes that um, that the uh, uh, that the yeshiva world has eliminated the idea of the fine balabas, the balabas who works with his hands, not the balabas who's going to become a millionaire by flipping houses or go into some nursing home uh, consortium and somehow you know become reich v'kleirach. But the idea of actually going to a vocational school type of place and, and, and being a, a, a fine ayid that's Shemit Mitzvah, who has a little, whatever, 35, 40 minutes that he learns a day or an hour when he comes home. And those, he feels that is somehow the answer. I think I've sort of summarized the whole business. I left out, uh, I gave you- I'm a Litvak and a contrarian, although I think I was just redundant. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would take issue with a, a couple of the uh, fine points there. First of all, uh, not that you said anything to the contrary, but I think that Yisrael Besser is an extremely effective, talented writer who is who's always on the mark. Even if I don't agree with everything he says, but you don't want to you don't want to live in an echo chamber. But he's very very good, and uh, he, he shows the the background coming from the. Uh, the uh, the Zerav and Chatzko Besser is and with that sense of achrayus for the uh, for the community, and he's a, a firm Ben Torah, even if he doesn't wear the hat and tie in his uh, in in his portrait. Um, I think Yisrael Besser did exactly what he was supposed to do, uh, and one of the reasons I'm sort of irritated with myself because. Yisrael Besser did the right thing, and, and uh, Rabbi Bender did the right thing. It was Malam Mitzchus on one of the most important groups in Klal Yisrael. Being Malam Mitzchus doesn't always mean that you're accurate, but there's an Indian in being Malam Mitzchus, particularly for uh, people, or in this case, a whole group, that uh, is being maligned, uh, in some cases partially unfairly. So I, I, I think they, they did a good job. What what irritated me um, a little bit, probably probably far too much, was um, Rabbi Bender entitling his piece, which was a backup piece for Yisrael Besser, against all of the, the negative feedback to Yisrael Besser that had accrued over the weeks in the last section. Uh, Rabbi Bender called, talked about the unassailable Yeshiva Bacher. 
and that 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 I found a little irritating. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't mean that every yeshiva bacher is unassailable. Uh, he's too he's too smart for that. Uh, I think he meant that the mahus, the gestalt, the general idea of the yeshiva bacher, even in our generation, is is unassailable. But even that, when you call something unassailable, you basically you basically shut down the conversation. And we've suffered a lot as a community by shutting down conversations because we felt that certain ideas, certain concepts, certain institutions were beyond reproach. Well, seldom uh, is anything beyond reproach. I think Tanakh speaks loudly and clearly that uh, those who are close to HaKadosh Baruch who come in for the greatest criticism. There's only one thing in the universe that's unassailable, and that's the Rebbe himself. So when somebody sent me this recording of, of Ramosha Weinberger, uh, who's one of the most important influences on the, on the, on the generation, um, I listened, even though, as I told you, I, can, I, I don't generally listen to anything more than five minutes. And here, this was, I think, when 52 minutes, and, and, and I did listen to the, to the whole thing. Uh, you could hear his passion grow rather than wane as the session progressed. I don't believe he was speaking to YU. Those are not the people he was talking about. They have their own problems, and he gives listen to them all the time. But this was, clearly he was using a bully pulpit, knowing that these words would be heard around the world, uh, as, as they should honed in on one letter writer, which you, which you spoke about. One letter writer didn't give his name and said, this is not a Zimanim problem. It's a Zimanim problem. It's a Zimanim problem. There are all kinds of yeshiva guys. Baruch Hashem. We have tens of thousands who are close to unassailable and doing a wonderful job and work very hard and cut them a little slack. Not disagreeing with that. But he has seen uh, not in his, not just in his community, because he gets around all over, and people call him from all over. He is a national figure. He has seen the toll exacted upon people, not only upon the people themselves, but people close to them. In yeshiva, yeshiva guys who are kind of forced into a way of life, not by ever having made a free choice. Our generation had to choose, and sometimes with consequences. We were swimming against the stream. Today, when you're born, or a generation ago, when you were born into the system, you weren't swimming against the stream. You weren't swimming with the stream. You were getting pulled along with the current, often without a chance to really think what it meant, what was behind it all. And his basic answer was, his basic suggestion, rather, was people have to get down to you, to your sodos that people did spend time on in the past. And when they didn't, they, the, the, the climate in some places was so rich that they didn't have to. They didn't, didn't question who the Rebbe Shalom is or what the Rebbe Shalom wanted from us or how to have a better Kesha with the Rebbe Shalom. But there's so many people today who never asked those questions. Now, he was decrying two things, if I recall correctly. One was that we can't ignore the fact that there are people who are in yeshivas 
who really don't want to be there. But they're there because it'll break the hearts of their family if they leave. They're worried about how their friends are going to look at them. They're worried about Shiduchim, where are they going to get a proper from girl, which they really want? And they haven't been offered any alternatives. And he said, look, there's a simple answer, which you very, very correctly, when we spoke before the, before the, uh, the podcast began, uh, you said, well, basically what he's saying is that we should be following a more Hasidish model where we're making a living is, is not looked up, is not frowned upon where you can have Kolalim thriving with hundreds and hundreds of people and doing some of the finest work in Halacha today. It comes from the Hasidic journals, not the Lifisha ones. And yet, if a person's in Erlich Habalabas who comes to Shul in the morning and dances three times a day with a minion and dances with the Slavos and, and makes an Erlich a living, that's something to be proud of, not to be frowned upon, and there are lots of women who, who will marry him. The man has a parnasa, fine. But we, those of us in the Litvisha world, seem to be repelled by that, by that model. That means that a lot of people who are not really into learning, who haven't found the Kesher, they may be learning and they, they may not be, they're not wasting all their time. You know, I, I was uncomfortable with it. I know you didn't mean this, but it almost sounded like you were making it a binary thing. You have the real learners and then you have the guys or there's a continuum in between. I know that's, I know that's what you meant, but he says a person, if he's one of those in between person, persons, even if that's not how he self-defines what he really sees is important to him. He leaves a Zaman at the end and he is uncomfortable facing himself. What did I accomplish this month? How many blot did I learn? How many do I remember? Where did I really get? Do I have a life plan that this got me closer to? And all of that stuff doesn't exist and you can't even talk about it. And then the other, the victim, he said, are the girls. But the girls come after 12th grade, they come to Eretz Yisrael and they have some wet behind the year, who's a year or two older than them. And they're preaching about how it's just a different life if you don't marry a full-time learner. I'm saying it's for everybody. And yeah, it's by yeah, sure they're kashabalabat, but but that FS, the but makes a big rush among girls. So they come back full of enthusiasm. They just want a guy in learning. They're giving up their own professional plans. And and uh then when they wake up to the reality of who they're married to, about a week into the into the in, into the marriage, it's a big shock. Like it was this. The, the, the Olam Haba on earth that I was promised. And he, he says that it's, it's just a, a crime against humanity that we're not being more honest with ourselves and not giving people more of a chance to identify, to connect with HaKadosh Baruch on different levels and to find different paths that are suitable for different, for different people. Rav Yitzhak, you did an admirable job. You've completely exhausted him. Because I think what he's really getting at is that there is a problem in way the way learning is going on, the way the yeshiva world is is, is dealing with the Bacharim. Fifteen minutes of semi-Musr Seder is not going to take it. They need, according to Rav Moshe Weinberger, they need to think about God. And, they, and instead of hearing stories over and over about the super hasmod of this godel or the great learning of this person, 
elevating the idea that the only way you could really be a, a true human being is by the amount of hours and brilliance you have in learning, they need to start hearing about Emunah and the Rabbeinu Shalom. They have to start hearing about overcoming the Sionis in their life. They have to hear about options. And the yeshivas themselves should be places where they should, although I don't know if he said this because I didn't hear the whole program, they should in a way zero in, like the Chassidish yeshivas, as I said, on who should probably be the Kailo man, who should be the one who's writing the articles, and who should be gently steered towards a beautiful life of Parnassa uh, in that way. So but there's a tshuva that you have, to, you have to see. You probably saw it already. But uh, to our listeners, as, as most of you know, the Noda Behuda didn't write a good chunk of the Noda Behuda. Much of the Noda Behuda was written by his son. Son of the Noda Behuda wrote a letter on Chinuch, on what Chinuch should be like. And, you know, he, not a Hasidish, not by, not by any means. He's, he's the one who wrote that, who ended that famous truth of a Hasidim. Uh, if you remember that too. Yeah, but, of course. Uh, you, you know nothing about the Nuri you know about that one. Yeah. And about hunting. Everybody knows the hunting chuva and and of course the chuva in, of, of the scandal in broad. Like there's certain chuvas everybody knows the Nuri Buddha because uh, I like calling that the Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I went over the heads of most of our listeners. But anyway. Um, Mike, Mike Nichols and Neil Mammoth is very happy, but go ahead. <laughs> Uh, he writes that, well, everybody starts off in Cheder, and uh, by the time a kid is eight or nine, you realize whether the kid is going to have a brilliant future in learning. And uh, if, if he does, he's encouraged to continue and to continue weiter and weiter and weiter. And if not, by that time, eight, nine, it, it's time to apprentice at a Parnassa. Now, can you, can you imagine anybody saying such a thing at a Torah Masari convention today? Now, of course, we don't live in the same times, and nobody in their right mind would suggest ending compulsory education at the age of eight or nine, and nor do we need apprentices at uh, Parnassa. There are different ways in which people make money today. Uh, but the point is that they were rec- ready, to rec- ready to concede that by a certain age, you really knew who the stars were going to be. And, of course, there were always exceptions to that, and uh, rules uh, always have their exceptions, even this one. But they, they were willing to take that risk, they said. You know, by the time you get to a certain age, you say that uh, learning full-time is not, is not for you. Today, you can have – I know of, of uh, a friend of mine is a Russian shiva here in Yerushalayim, catering to, uh, to Anglos and Americans. He's produced a lot of – of a lot of really Erlach Balei some of whom went all the way and went from there to Kaolim. And he said that one time one of his uh, products came back to him. He was in his mid-30s and had a, had a family with a bunch of kids already. And he started feeling that he'd gotten to the point of diminished returns and that uh, maybe it was time to leave. He just wasn't getting the same cheshek out of learning. As a matter of fact, he wasn't getting any cheshek out of learning. So perhaps it was time to leave. As Rav Huttner Huttner used to say, melelt and melelt and melelt biz frustration. (laughs) Biz frustration. When you get the frustration, then you know. 
then you know. And look at how many people are Vutnav's Madrich into, into other careers. Just take a look at Wikipedia entry on Chaim Berlin and you see the, uh, the list of people who, uh, all of them, who accomplished in other areas. And, and the superstars of Chaim Berlin are real superstars, whether it's from David Cohen, Rabbi Feivel Cohen, I mean, Rabbi Anderson David, yes. the, yeah. you know, whatever you want to say about Rav Hutner, we could do a whole show about him as Machanich, but he definitely, there was a way of zeroing in on the B'nai Aliyah Hamuotim, and, and look what they, look what they've been able to do for Klal Yisrael uh, since that time. But, you know, one thing that Rav Meish Weinberger, I believe, at least I didn't hear it, um, could have perhaps emphasized that we need to do something about the this product. You know, I'm, I, as much as I agreed with him that there's many guys there who really aren't, shouldn't really be in the yeshiva system the way they are and are basically aimless and, and that's, they, they, they lack the midas hayesod, so to speak, as he's talking about. Maybe the rabbeim need to create, especially for this era of unable to concentrate more than a 15-second soundbite, a different mahalach in learning Gemara. There needs to be some more inventiveness of getting people having that geschmack. Now you can say, well, they're going to do their daf, and they're going to be happy with their daf yomi, and then they'll go off to work. I say, as a daf yomi teacher who has people, who have people, that in some ways the satisfaction is there, but and I'm going to tell you this, and, and there's no way you're going to push me away from it, because I've seen it. The people who get the most out of the dafyomi, the balabatim, are the ones who prepare the night before, who review the material, who, who take the bechinas, like Deershu, the company that I work for, uh, on, 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 a, on a basis where they review it. The ones that are just putting in their 45-minute time and, and then going off and then enjoying the siyumim, which now in Mayan are going to come fast and furious, it's really an artificial, a little bit of a, a shot in the arm. It's bubblegum because what's really happened, you're right, it is a limud, Moshe Shapiro, we can't talk about, you know, Chas Shalom. it was the Hatzol for Klau Yisrael, the Hatzol for Art Scroll and everything else they're able to do. But they're guys that really, it's not enough. Uh, it, it, because yes, you feel great. I did the daf. I'm part of the daf. Yeah, we're, we're making a siyam. But the learning that gets into their kishkas, that they should really know how Gemara works. They should really love a Bayavirova. They should, or love something, is not happening. Now, Rav Meish Weinberger says, we need to give them Avedis Hashem. We need to give them Chesidus. We need to give them Piasetzner. We need to give them Dastair of Musar. We need to give them Chachma and let them know Elokus. Maybe what we also need is taking this product, which has been our glue, which has kept us alive. It's the glue that created the Talmudic mind, the Jewish mind, the Gemara cup, the Gemara. It shaped our personality totally and completely. We need to do a better job selling this product. Now, that doesn't mean that these guys are going to stay and learn and become uh, the, the, the Poiskin, but at least they're going to enjoy learning Gemara. Weinberger talks about the guys who dress the harim at four o'clock. He says, Seder starts at nine. How come there's only 20 guys in the base medrash? Uh, it, it's 4.30 in the afternoon. Seder started an hour ago. How come people are just shuffling in and, and, and there's 20 guys in the dorm with colds? Okay, he's right. You don't enjoy it. You find yourself getting sick, going to the bathroom, taking a smoke. We need to do a better job making, working on this project. This product of Gemara needs to be worked on. And our friends in the modern Orthodox world, 
take a lot of time making that happen. And if it has to do with audiovisual, it has to do with breaking stuff down, it has to do with, with, with history, it has to do with, with the type of things you see in the Steinsaltz Gemaras. Don't you think that that, you know, that that is something, that's to me the elephant in the room that wasn't discussed. We go to Yeshiva. Um, we go I'm glad to, you asked the question. Go ahead. Because, uh, because I don't. I, I haven't seen any signs of that Hatzlacha in the modern Orthodox community, which at the moment is in free fall. Uh, especially, especially among their kids, um, very, very tenuous ground that they're, that they're occupying. The parts of the modern Orthodox community they're going to survive are the ones that have a strong connection with learning, who do the daf, who have rabbanim, who don't give uh, the, the the usual sermon on Shabbos, but uh, but uh, but speak real Torah. I wouldn't be looking to them. First, second of all, even if what you were saying was true, which it may be for some for some people, this is 50 years off. The reason is because I think you're ignoring some of the dynamics that Rabbi Weinberger spoke about. Let's say you want to start a new track and learn. Where are you going to do that? Within the coastline based Medrash of the hundreds of yeshivas that are really succeeding in producing fine B'nai Torah, Let's say it's not 100%. Let's say it's not 90%. Whatever percentage you want to be, you want to give it. It's more than 50%, I think. Even if not, they are successful in doing what they're doing. What you are suggesting is Lahavdil, like open enrollment for Harvard and Yale. You're just going to, you, you can't have excellence and mediocrity coexisting in the same classroom. So LMI, you'll start a different track in a different yeshiva, and then we're right back where we began. Who's going to go to such a yeshiva? How is he going to face his friends? How is he going to face his family? What kind of shidduch is he going to, is he going to get when he admits that he can't compete in the real institutions? Of- so, uh, you, you, okay, you, you, okay you, you assume that I'm saying more than I'm saying. Let's go to the, the, in the, in the high schools. Let's start from Kita tests or wherever we are, and let's, let's, let's bring in better machanchim who are more in tune with what's going to look when I, into what's going to make it. When I was in yeshiva, we knew uh, many of us were in the higher kitos. And then there were lower kitos for the guys who were struggling, right? Those guys, and that's still the, that's still the case. Those guys are going to have very uh, inventive rabbeim, not just rabbeim that's going to let the guys, you know, get, pass them through into the matriculate into the next grade, but they're going to actually be involved in an exciting manner that Gemara is going to, at least we're going to give them that chance that Gemara should come alive to them. And we should, we should, we should recognize that there needs to be perhaps new methodology for that. And it's not just, I'm going to say, like Rav Heidemann used to come into the shear and say, I don't want to imitate his voice, but I, I'm sort of tempted to, but he would come in and say, today's shear is from uh, the Riemann Peretz. And, uh, and then he would just sit there and basically, or today's shear is basically two shearim from the Kilos Yaakov. And then we would just listen and take notes and, you know, hopefully get a copy of the Kilos Yaakov later at the Chazarit over. Instead of rolling up your sleeves and realizing that, look, you're not, and, and maybe, first of all, maybe this might be a way to love Gemara again. You know, you, you say the modern Orthodox world doesn't have any answers and is not doing anything. Well, I, I don't know. I taught in some of the top modern Orthodox schools in, in the United States. There were definitely issues, but those top guys 
using these new methodologies, they had a certain shlita on things. And I think it's possible the excitement of a new method, not just you know, extolling the, the gedolim of the past and expecting people to learn based on this mahalach, but in a way that they could actually feel, I get it, what's going on in a sugya. I get it, where's the shaklavataria? Where's the kasha? Where's the teretz? What does it really mean? And, and if the Rebbe shows excitement and doesn't act in a condescending way, he can be a Pied Piper to bring guys to love Gemara. Okay. So I don't think we're talking about the same thing, and we've, we've completely changed the population that we're looking at. The people who, who Moshe Weinberger is talking about are not people who don't get Gemara or having a problem with it or haven't been exposed to the geschmack of it. I believe, as, lot, as lots of people, including you, that Gemara has inherent, you know, inherent geschmack. And for people who are capable of doing text, and not minding, battling it out with your chavrus and calling names. And, and uh, you know, like uh, Rav Soloveitchik used to, used to be pretty animated and sheer before he realized what Americans were like. And he would throw out lines like, you're dumber than 60 horses. But he showed, he showed passion. He showed emotion. But we have thousands of rebbeim like that. We have terrific rebbeim. We have some, you know, guys who don't belong there because some people today become rebbeim because there's nothing else that they can do. And they counted on that from the time that their, that their um, Schwer said, uh, well, uh, I've, I've supported you for 35 years, which was the agreement. Now you got to go out and make a living. And he's trying to think, what can I do? So he becomes a rebbe and inflicts his mediocrity on others. But those are a small, small fraction. We have very qualified rebbeim. The... the, yeah, the the problem here is not people who have who are incapable of seeing, experiencing, loving the opportunity of learning, but it's still not them. It's still not them. They don't get the feeling of accomplishment. You're in a position like Ruven Leuchter, Shlita, wrote a few months ago. In the in the yeshiva world, there is only one way in which you can attain any sense of status or stature. And that's by being number one in the pile. But in any yeshiva, there can only be one guy or few guys who are that close to the top. Where does that leave everybody else? There used to be ways in which people could take pride in other things that they were doing. But that's not what we teach to people today. And the, 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 the people who you're talking about, by all means, we should find other ways. And I, I, I don't think there's any shortage of ways in which you can make Gemara come alive. Remember listening to a, a recording by um, Rabbi Rakefet, who's always a, 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 an interesting entertainer, and he said, "What got him as a he was a third generation American boy already?" And he uh, he said, "One of these old timers, uh, Holocaust survivor, came in came into the room. The kids didn't relate to him. He didn't relate to the kids, but he said one day." He was introducing them to a Baya Varava in Elam Metzias and Yishlom Mitas. And he says that, so this is what we have here. We got, he mentioned two prize fighters. And he said, you got this guy in this corner, that guy in the other corner. Everybody woke up. They suddenly realized that this was a fighting match. And you could hear the blows coming from one to the other. He said it changed him for life. 
look, look, I don't doubt it, but that is really, you're really proving my point. The ability to even introduce Schmeling and Lewis into a, in, 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 into a, into a sugya, or I used to actually do, uh, you know, Basil Rathbone and Tyrone Power uh, battling it out <laughs> in, in terms of a sword fight. So I used to do the same thing. So I understand that. What I'm saying is, Rabbi Yitzchok, is that we can, from the ground up, sell this product better. And I think the way we, and I think that if, if the B'nai Torah and the Rosh Hashivas, whether it's Rabbi Bender, whoever else is, 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 is calling the shots and the Yeshivas is going to embrace it, I think he's going to find that you're going to have more guys sticking around and maybe guys moving from, the, from that level into the more traditional level. I'll ask, I, 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 I want to ask, to ask you one more thing. One of the questions that we were thinking of talking about, we're trying to wrap it up with this, is that we know that you know, Gemara is what the yeshiva is about. Now he's talking about Musar, Avedus Hashem, Elokus, Chasidus. And, and, and by the way, when it comes to Chasidus yeshivas, so much of it is, and the Chasidus light is the Shabbos experience, is the fact that they have a Rebbe who isn't just the Rosh Hashiva who they're going to come and get a, 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 a wet fish handshake from and maybe a little shmeichel. But we're talking about a Rebbe who's involved with their family, with their life, who might be a Baruch HaKadosh in their mind. And, and there's a sense of, of, of connectedness. Not, you know, and you don't have to be the top guy because the Rebbe himself, based on the Chesidus all the way from the Baal Shem, is, 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 is not about the hierarchy, is not about the Talmud Chacham. It's really about the Oyved. And, and, and therefore... In the as you said, as we were saying before, it doesn't happen as much. That's not going to change. We're not going to turn our Rosh Hashivas into Rebbes as much as, you know, it sometimes looks like they're becoming that, you know, it sometimes, it sometimes, but, 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 right, because ultimately there isn't the sense of, because I can tell you, as someone who tried to get into Rechaim Kanyevsky, as someone who tried to, 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 to see them, there isn't that, when you go to a Chesidish Rebbe and, and, you, and, and you crowd around to get Shirayim or you want to hear from him, the, the people next to you part. The people next to you realize they put their arms out and, and they understand, hey, you can be part of this too. And we're, we're all crowding. And, and by the Yeshiva Shavel, the, the, the pseudo rebbes that they've made, you know, the, they're sitting there with, you know, with, with their muskets, you know, or whatever it is, their bayonets, making sure that you're not getting close. So the idea of being part of a, of a spiritual community and, and that you're welcomed. Is, is, is sometimes very difficult for them to feel. But let me ask you another thing. Okay, Gemara, we disagree whether these new Mahalch are going to work. What about if you start from the high school up? Because that's clearly where everything starts. The Heviu Shlish is really the aside of the Trumas and Maestras later, right? The Heviu Shlish is the important part. So in that Shlish, which happens in the teenage years, maybe we should go back and realize that Gemara isn't working for, for a good percentage, and you say a small percentage, I say more, Let's maybe there should be a, a new more emphasis on Limit Atanach and Limit Midrashim. Because, you know, as, as Rav Chaim himself said, you, that the B'nai Torah don't need Musr Svarim, they could get it from Midrashim. That's what he said. But maybe we should, again, try to emphasize a, a more, you know, do more we should do more Tanakh with the Bochum. And there should be, uh, it isn't just I learn Tanakh and, and for 15 minutes like we used to do in Neri Yisrael or 20 minutes. Okay, this is Tanakh Seder. And then everybody sat there with the, with the Mitzudah Dov and Mitzudah Tzion. 
the Rabbeim should actually speak about these things. They, it should be like Hirsch's description in Chorev of, of what does it mean to teach Tanakh. And, 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 and they should get into it like the modern yeshivas do. And there should be discussions about it. Maybe there should be bechinus about it. Why can't that happen? And I think the, there you would find the guy whose cup is, 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 is in the clouds by Yishalei Midas is suddenly into what's going on with David's machshava in, in, in sending Uriah to the front. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with you there, especially since you invoked of Shamsham Fall Hirsch. Which, <laughs> to me, that's one of the things that still remains unassailable. So, uh, yeah, that, 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 that sounds like a, a very strong uh, suggestion and one that, that, that could be implemented. You have the problem that we've had a number of disciplines in the past, including Musser. Musser could have done a lot of, could have gone a lot further. It, it never became the, the populist movement because it took too much thinking. But part of the reason was that we, not, we didn't have enough people who could really teach it. We had a number of stellar figures, and and they created sometimes a few uh, few Talmidim. But people are uncomfortable with Tanakh. One Rosh Hashim I know uh, told me many years ago that he's not comfortable learning Tanakh with his kids. He says, in some some of the Svarim, you can read it like, well, X killed Y, and then Y killed Z, and Zeke went on to kill both A and B, and then one of them became the king. So, like, how is he? Exactly, supposed to teach that to his kids. So we do have some great tools. Um, Chaim uh, Rabinowitz, Zechron uh, Levracha, his wonderful set on Tanakh, which uh, really is a wonderful tool. And there, there, there are more by now. Um, and there, there, there were people. Uh, and, and, and I would say, I would take it even a step further. Unlike what you were sort of poo-pooing what I was saying, these new drochim of, you know, of, of, of smart boards and, and visuals and other stuff in learning Gemara or, or, or color coding, whatever that you, you know, dismissed. In Tanakh, the same way in the girls' seminaries, they take out the Radak and they take out the Ralbag, and 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 and, and Buria David is going to give a drush about the difference between the Targum Yonason and the difference between that. I mean, look, Rabbi Yitzchok Srotskin, who is the the Reisha Medabrim of, of of Musar. I mean, Rabbi Srotskin, his his, I still hear his shouts and screams of, about what's wrong in the yeshiva belt. He has a beautiful sefer on Tanakh, yeah. Rina Yitzchok, and he does exactly that, right? And, and 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 again, my good close friend, who I love dearly, Shimi Krasner or Shimon Krasner, the Nachla Shimon. I mean, you could have Shiurim and and, and Nachla Shimon, and even though you're you're going through Mishnah Melechs and other sort of Lamnishazachin, but your starting point is what's making this Navi tick, what's going on with Elio, and you could have a fascinating Shir built on using the same sort of Talmudic methodology. And the guy does not feel, I don't get it. He doesn't feel it's irrelevant because, hey, and he gets a grade in it as well. So, so I think that those are things that I think could, could keep people within. You're right, Yitzchok. They're going to end up with questions. Ooh, a lot of Ritzicha, a lot of Avodah a lot of stuff here, you know, a lot of bad things happening, you know, a lot of women killing men and nobody's alive. And, and it's like, it's, 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 it's a, but are we going, isn't it there for a reason? I mean, it's there in a way to maybe respond to, to parts of people that, that haven't been even touched yet. And, and, and the challenge of having 
imperfect figures is in the antidote to the hagiographic pushing of and then it's and, and and when he was three he was able to make a he knew ganshas and he was five nobody can teach him anymore and by the time he was 10 he was able to right we go to tanakh and we have figures that we need to struggle with and we can talk about and it's it's sifri kodesh don't you think that the, the, the answers are there in in the gemara in tanakh and i think if we be in, if we're inventive about it we don't have to throw our hands up and say, well, you know the answer to that, and you just don't want to say it. <laughs> but I want you to say it. <laughs> okay, I'll say it, but I must have heard it from you. It's because we're secure. For all the shouting and the yelling, we only, and remember, Shiva used to say that he was fond, he was always fond of recalling this anecdote that um, President Truman used to, there were no planes too much back then, so he took the trains a lot and somebody picked up his notes after one long train ride and it was the notes of a speech that he was going to give. In the margin, he wrote, weak point, yell like hell. We do a lot of yelling and shrying. Often we do that because we really are insecure. We don't want the questions because we don't have the answers ourselves. And if we have the answers, we don't know how to communicate them to others. So we're very, very... Um, reluctant to introduce any changes at all. That's not a sign of of strength or of confidence, but of weakness. But Chazal say, as we come to the close of this uh, of this uh, conversation, that in Oreach Tov is Oser Ritzon Balabas. So I'm going to do your Ratzon and end with two anecdotes. Um, one, just a controversial zug uh, to bolster what you said before. Uh, a very uh, controversial figure said, a very controversial pshat in Al Shalom Birchu Batarachila. Said, What's Al Shalom Birchu Batarachila? Certainly they didn't leave out the bracha in the morning. It means they weren't really Mishabeach HaKadosh Baruch Hu for giving us the Torah. Why? He said, because you can get so into learning that it has nothing to do with the Rebbein Hashem. That you worship Kaviochel, you worship the learning rather than the Boreola. Who was this controversial figure? Moral Miprak. So don't throw things at me. It's moral, Mufush moral. I'm not, uh, I'm not massaging it. But let's uh, end with a uh, more pleasant anecdote in case you haven't heard it. Um, uh, by the way, just just uh, I would ask our listeners also to go through Nesiv Talmud Torah in the Nesivas uh, Oilam, and you will see that the Maral was a, a revolutionary thinker, and what he wanted to, and he wasn't scared of making these changes. He right. wanted, right? So if anything, Yitzchok, the Maral is really on my side about, hey, right. we can't the it. system. Yes, but go ahead. That's what I said. So the, the, this uh, anecdote would be a suitable ending to this. Why um, Why Jacobson uh, uh, used it a couple of weeks ago and it went viral. But just in case somebody didn't hear it, it's a beautiful story about three guys who, you know, like never they, uh, they made some they made some bad decisions in life. They find themselves all dead, and they're all down in the southern hemisphere, not where they really wanted to go. And they're commiserating with each other, like, I oh, this, but they have no tiny three bones on. They realize, you know, we messed up. 
in walks, in walks the Alta Rebbe. And one of the three guys is a Chabad, is a Chabadnik. So the Alta Rebbe sees him. He says, what, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You're, you're from Menashe. He says, yeah, but look, I, uh, I'm embarrassed to tell you it, let alone the Rebbe Shalom, but I, I messed up. I did some pretty bad things. He says, okay, okay. But uh, did you did you learn chitas? Did you have a seder in Tanya? Yeah, sure. All the above. Did you uh, did you uh, give up for your whole life eating gabrachts? Of course. So he says, hold on to me. I'm getting you out of here. Holds links hands with him, rushes the rushes the doors of Gehenim and takes him out. So now there are two guys left. A Breslover and a Yit and a Litvak. <laughs> and I said, no, okay, there are only two of us now. In walks Rav Nachman. And Rav Nachman looks at the, the Breslover and he says, what are you doing here? What the, why are you here? He says, like, I, you know, I, with things I did, I'm, a, I'm, I'm very ashamed of, but uh, yeah, I messed up. I messed up again and again and again and again. He says, yeah, okay. But uh, you learned Likute Maran? Yeah. You, uh, you, um, some of the other ones I'm supposed to Did you, did you, did you do his boy to this? Did you do the, you do his boy I'm giving you your lines because I, you know, we could do this together. You know, yeah. This is like, so he says, he says, of course. So he says, hold on to me. I'm getting you out of here. So, uh, he does. And they run out of Gehenna. That leaves just the lit fire. After a couple of minutes, his rep comes in. And he looks at them and he says, I told you so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. That That is, again, what needs to change and other sorts of messages of the sort. Rabitza, thank you so much for spending so much time with us. Always hope, a pleasure. Hopefully we're going to be able, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll see Yeshua's and Geshmak and, and Hatzalus of Kal Yisrael. Take care. Be well. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.